Okay, AK Lead Heads, we are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner, Season 3. Episode 2. We're going to have a great time today. We've got none other than the gang from Atlas Defense slash Mo Guns. We've got Joe Mo in the house. Joe, welcome in. What's up, guys? Thanks for having us again. And we got the right hand of the devil, my counterpart, <laughs> Charles Watson, joining us. Charles, glad to be here as always. Yes, sir. Glad to have you guys. It's been a while since I've had you on, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a a good show. And then, of course, my partner in crime for the AK Corner is Brian Keeney, all the way from Moscow or Moscow. Which one is it? You Moscow, Idaho. Okay, you hate it when I say it one way, so. <laughs> well, you're Moscow. just not talking about here. You know, it's funny, but, you know, everybody says, no, Moscow's in Russia. Well, you know, if you hear a Russian pronounce Moscow or Moscow, they'll say it, it's much closer to Moscow. So it's one of them double backflip kind of things. But happy to be here again. Thank yes, you. sir, with Occam Defense Solutions. Brian's going to be joining me here in just a few days in Nashville, Tennessee. We've got the 212 talking lead uh and occam defense we kind of threw this in last minute you guys surprised me with it but we're going to have a ak rifle training course here in nashville uh, and then brian is going to be doing uh, an added course to that where he's going to do some uh, ak smithing <coughs> and tips and tricks on uh, taking it apart putting it back together cleaning it kind of stuff so that's going to be a added bonus for the the ones who are attending well, yeah, that, that sounds stoked. interesting. Yeah, we'll have a good time. Um, yeah, care and feeding of the AK is what I'm tentatively calling it here. Um, kind of a introductory armors course. Um, the the things that typically go wrong, which usually involve Loctite, um, and uh, you know how to disassemble your bolt, how to get it back together, how to check it. I actually have. Um, you guys will appreciate this, and maybe we could talk about it a little bit, but we're seeing some really junky ammo these days. I'm going to hold this up to the camera, so unfortunately the listeners won't be able to see it, but if you guys can Just see the particles. that. Yeah, yeah there's a bunch of, of particles that look kind of like red pepper flakes here that came in from a customer's bolt, and they said their bolt stopped working. And I said, uh-oh, send it in, and send it in, and um, I see this brass fleck in the firing pin channel. I'm like, ah, that looks like a primer. And I get the thing apart, and there are no less than like eight primers in this firing pin channel, which the only way I can think of that happening is if the charge is massively overpowered, blowing the primer into the, you know, extruding the firing, the primer into the firing pin channel. And so, yeah, stuff like that, like your gun might be great, but if your ammo isn't, you might need to strip your bolt. So it's going to be stuff like that. Yeah, it's not made for ballistic rockets, is it? No, no. <laughs> Do not put four in your reloads. Yeah, well, we're going to have some impending issues. That my, Brian might be able to help. Apparently, it's going to be 18 degrees here this coming Saturday, or this coming Sunday. In Baton Rouge? Yep, and yep. Then up at the ranch, That's it's going to be 16 degrees. That is unheard of. Yep. Stuff so, starts uh, okay. dying down where where you're at. A lot of stuff starts dying down there. 
like a yep, lot of yep. stuff. Well, I'll tell you yeah, what I can help. what to do with all the citrus, but I've decided that um, basically I'm, I keep 545 here at home, and I'm keeping 762 by 39 at our ulterior northern bug out location. Um, so I got to make sure that I got some good by 39 up there. I got some Yugo stuff, but I need to get some of that. that um, Polar certified stuff. Polar certified. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a little cosmoline on there. Yeah, there it is. That'll, there it is. That'll store it. Uh, right, or, Brian, what's the biggest hammer on your AK repair bench? Oh boy, it is maybe eight ounces, ten ounces at most. Okay. We use pretty small hammers around here. Most of them have um, Delrin faces. They're made by Halder, H-A-L-D-E-R, and they're a dead blow, German dead blow mallet that's got a Delrin face, and we love them. Um, and I have a feeling that Charles thinks that's too small a hammer. It would just be my <laughs> suspicion. Yeah, probably a little bit. The, our, the, our, my, my hammer marked science is about a three-pound engineer's mall, so... I, I love your science hammer. Yeah. Hammer. Yeah. Well, Charles's nickname is either drill bit or hammer, depending on <laughs> the most recent destructive device. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's either a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, Ryan gets to make all his own parts, so he can make sure the tolerances aren't aren't idiotic. So, yeah. so Zach was going to join us. Zach Hall. And uh, he's got shitty internet connection, he said. So uh, maybe he'll jump on a little bit later. But uh, um, I think I made an announcement a, a few episodes uh, back. But, uh, Charlie, would you let everybody know what's going on with Zach and uh, that website that they can go to? Um, Zach's, uh, Zach was diagnosed uh, recently with stage 4 cancer. And so the, he has... Uh, been undergoing chemotherapy and you know just we're trying to support him as best we can there's been a couple of websites out there there's been some raffles the actual website itself Joe do you have it off the top of your head uh, I don't think there's a website other than the um, I know there's a PayPal Go account Fund me. there's a GoFundMe but yeah. definitely I think the PayPal one uh, and Marty can you you, you can probably yeah, put that up somewhere huh yeah, I'll definitely put a link to it in the show notes. But there's a the GoFundMe. Yeah, the HTTP. It's PayPal.me forward slash. Um, is this the right one? Vincent Designs. Uh, that was the one that uh, Joe Vincent, one of our local guys here, um, he set up a really beautiful flag mural. Uh, he's one of our custom painters. Whenever we get the real wild and crazy requests. Uh, he comes in and does that paint work uh, as far as the Cerakote on the guns. But he's a really talented pinstripe artist and airbrusher. And he did some big uh, U.S. flags and a 1776 oh, uh, flag and raffled those. So that's his. Yeah, those um, were We actually raised a good bit of money for Zach with those. And one of our local people won it. It was really a kind of a neat deal. Um, his, his ability to do, uh, to do pinstriping by hand is crazy. Well, he has a PayPal that goes direct, but here's the GoFundMe. Re uh, Zach Stage 4 Colon Cancer. If you do a, a search for it. On GoFundMe? Yeah. Uh, okay. GoFundMe, Zach's 
Zach Hall. Stage four colon cancer. I mean, it's a it's a URL, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but that's that's the search that'll get you there for PayPal if somebody wanted to donate. We really appreciate. It. I know he does. Um, Zach stage four colon cancer somewhere in that area. That that yeah. that search will get you there on PayPal. Now Zach's been my lead designer and suppressor guru for, um, I believe it was nine-ish years this October. It's been nine, nine years this coming October. So he's been he's been with me a very very long time. Yeah, and he was uh, on for you uh, avid AK Corner listeners. You know that he was on season two, episode three, uh, where we talked about suppressing the AK. We had. Uh, Mike Pappas, Curtis Halstrom was on that, and of course Brian was was joining us uh, for that too. Um, so we're going to miss him today. But yes, you leadheads definitely go check out the uh, GoFundMe account, and then I'll put a link to the PayPal. And if we find it uh, during the show, we'll read it off during the show too, uh, and give you a link to it there. Um, uh, we're we're going to be doing a raffle probably starting next week um, to give away one of the. Uh, latest designs, our latest, newest product, uh, a uh, Sabre 360 suppressor. Nice. Uh, so we're going to announce that. Uh, I guess this will probably be the first public notification of it. Okay. Uh, that's going to get the proceeds are going to go to Zach's. Um, so they can keep an eye on your social media pages to, to get info on that when it happens? Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Zach. Zach had one of the singular best job interviews we've ever had at our company. Uh, just, just, just to share a great story. When I first met him, he walks into the place, comes in. We had had a bunch of guys come in that didn't know how to run these machines. He walks in, pulls out a couple of suppressors he's made in the past, throws his laptop down on the thing. It's like, yeah, man, this uh, this machine's probably not gonna. Uh, this tool's going to break. I'm going to cut a core, and then it's probably this tool's going to break, but I'll fix it as it goes. And he puts a, a USB drive in the machine, cuts a part of a core. The, the tool snaps, reprograms it on the fly, finishes cutting the core. See, man, yeah, that, that'll do. That'll work. And just I just grabbed Dennis by the shirt. It was like, hire this dude, and walked out the room. <laughs> I was like, I don't care hire this guy yeah he straight up sandbagged that whole interview process oh, yeah. well of course he's from I tennessee in, too so i was in iowa interviewing some gunsmiths at the brownell one of the brownells career fairs i believe yeah mm-hmm. i think that's where i was i was out of town and dennis sent me a picture of a 22 core i'm like well shit that looks great what is that that's our new 22 core. Like, wait, what? <laughs> That's our new 22 core. Yeah, machines came in, did You're that. Like, I like, wasn't expecting what? that for months. <laughs> hire, hire him <laughs> right then, now. Uh, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I told Zach to like, or uh, told Dennis, do whatever you got to do to make sure he's hired and do what you got to do. And apparently the interview ended up at the strip club, so it worked out very well. <laughs> what better way to seal the That's, deal? Uh, I, I, I didn't go to that. I, literally, I was walking out the building, grabbed Dennis, hire this dude, and just I just left. I was like, I, I didn't want to know what was going to take place after. I wanted plausible deniability on that entire thing. <laughs> I just wanted to be there and make sure that guy got hired. And now it turns out with me, him, and Joe, we're just some of the best friends, man. 
Yeah, yeah. It's always fun hanging out with you guys too. I mean, you can just you can feel the camaraderie when we're hanging out. It's it's really fun. I love hanging out with you guys, and we're gonna miss Zach today. Hopefully, you know he gets feeling better and gets that internet going. Maybe he can jump on here in a little bit later. Uh, but if you leadheads didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, make sure you go back. We had Professor Paul Markle on. And, oh, yeah. And our intentions were to dive into talking about the Vietnam-era AK-47s. Uh, we did that a little bit, got into the um, AR-15, talked about that. I mean, you can't really talk about the, the AK without talking about the AR during the Vietnam era. Uh, and then we kind of chased the squirrel, didn't we, Brian? And just went all kinds oh, of different ways. My favorite thing to do in life. <laughs> yeah, squirrels. Lots of squirrels. <laughs> Chasing the squirrels. We're good at that here. Um, but we wouldn't be able to do this show without the love of our sponsors. Seal One. Uh, make sure you go check them out. We were going to have Dwight on, but he couldn't make it on tonight. Uh, he wanted to give you Leadheads a special discount code for 25% off your orders at Seal One. And uh, it's Leadhead. So we're making it easy. Leadhead's the code. You're going to get 25% off. Uh, and then, of course, later on in the show, we've got a Seal One uh, package of their CLP cleaning product um, that we're going to be giving away to one of you lucky Leadheads. IWIUS, we're going to be getting them on here in an upcoming episode or two. And I think we're going to do an Uzi talk. We're going to talk Uzis Ooh. during that episode. Do you, do you have the guy from Uzi Talk coming? Uh, we have Jeremy Gresham. You familiar with Jeremy at IWI? Yep. But do you want the Uzi Talk guy? Oh, well, yeah. Who who would that be? Um, you? No. Uh, oh, my God. Chris Hypes. Chris Hypes. Um, okay. Yeah. From Uzi Talk. Okay. I'm not the familiar with Uzi Talk. You've been to Uzi Talk, right? No. Oh. I haven't. UziTalk.com. I'm right. They talk about Uzis. <laughs> I wonder what what do they talk about there, Joe? <laughs> their 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 forms awful specific. Yeah, Chris is a really good dude. Do you know yeah, him personally? Been, oh yeah, he's been doing uh, Uzis, but also suppressor development and design. Okay. Whenever he gets probably our third suppressor, maybe fourth suppressor off the proto line, because he. He figures out how to break things that we haven't. Yeah, that's a good guy to know. Definitely. Well, well introduce us, and yep. we'll we'll get him to educate our listeners on the Uzi. Yep. We'll, we'll yep. make him a part of that show. I uh, like Uzi. Go show IWI some love. Uh, let them know how much you appreciate them sponsoring the show. Mission First Tactical. Uh, they are the makers of uh, our AK corner dump trays and tactical wallets. Of course, they do a whole lot more than that there. they got some nice AR furniture. They used to make AK uh, furniture, but they're not doing that right now. But uh, Hodor tells me that they're going to start maybe doing that again soon. But they've got a discount code for you heads also. It's 20% off anything there at Mission First Tactical. That's their their handguards, their butt stocks, their magazines. they got a new AR-10 magazine that they're making now. They just released that a few weeks ago. Uh, and that code is LEADHEAD. You're going to get 20% off there. And then you want to get your cool AK Corner swag. You guys see my my sweatshirt I'm wearing tonight? I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's from Factory 47. They do hoodies, T-shirts. 
uh, men's women's shirts, and then we've got a nice tumbler that comes in two different sizes with the AK Corner logo on it. Uh, you go to factory47.com, and that's 10% off, and that's F-A-K-T-O-R-Y 47. Use Leadhead to get 10% off your order there. And, of course, if you want to live the, you know, the be a true AK lifestyle liver, you got to go there and get, get the swag because they've got all kinds of cool AK swag there. And it's good that discount code is good on all that stuff. Uh, and then, of course, Occam Defense Solutions, Brian Keeney in Idaho, Moscow, <laughs> joining us today with the 1775. And, again, if you're listening to this right now, you still have time to sign up for that class. I think we got a couple of slots left. It's almost full. Uh, it's going to be in Nashville, February 20th through the 21st. And you go to 212 Tactical's website, and that's where you can sign up. And we're going to have Brian's Occam Defense 1775, the ODS, there. So you can get some hands-on with it while you're there. Yep, we'll have some demo guns for people to try out in the course. Um, I will be bringing a select fire gun with me as well. And uh, the 1775 suppressed full auto is really fun. It, it kind of just stays dead level and just kind of chugs and um it's a fun experience so uh yeah looking forward to seeing everybody out there and uh yeah we'll have a good time hopefully learn a bunch and, and yeah, that'll be awesome we think there's going to be a couple of more personalities there uh, we're not going to confirm nor deny but uh there's probably how going to be other personalities there during this class <laughs> How many personalities of Marty's are there going to be there? <laughs> I was wondering. Exactly. Yeah. There's <laughs> only one. <laughs> there's there's just me. But I will be uh, running around like a chicken with his head cut off probably because I plan on setting up the uh, studio, doing some recordings. Brian's got a connection here in Tennessee that uh, we're going to try to get set up for one of the episodes of the AK Corner. I think it's going to be – a uh, uh, knowledge bomb uh, episode. So if you can get that set up, Brian, that's going to be awesome. I think our lead heads will really enjoy that. Yep. High probability of that occurring. And uh knowledge bomb is, we call them the Oracle around here. So yeah. <laughs> the Oracle. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have giveaways. We've got t-shirts for all of our students. We've got the dump trays for all of our students. Uh, and there's a few other items that are going to be surprises. So, if uh, you want to take that course, go sign up now. You're definitely getting your money's worth, that two-day course. Um, yeah, I don't think you can beat for everything that we're doing, what they're going to get for that. All right, so let's talk AK-47s. What I'd like to do, and I meant to do this in the first episode, but I got uh, you guys got me off track, Brian, you and, uh, and Professor Paul. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to recap the history of the AK-47. <coughs> I kind of like to start every season off doing that a little bit. So and I got to stop you, Marty, because uh, that's the pot calling the kettle black when it comes to AD. <laughs> just saying. I got to blame somebody. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, t I'll take it if we're going that way. That's fun. <laughs> that's definitely the, the direction I'm going with that. <laughs> but the AK-47, also called the Kalashnikov Model 1947, uh, it is the most widely used shoulder weapon in the world. I think there's some estimated, what, like 12 million or, I don't know, 20 million AKs floating around? 
I've seen different numbers. I don't it's know. Lot. It's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> the, probably don't. We probably won't know from the Cold War and then all the the Pakistan and the Romanians and right. No telling how many Kyber Pass guns that are AK, not AK ish. <laughs> how many were smacked AK up frying pans? With rock anvils. There's no telling. There's no telling. So I think we'd be safe to say twenty million that are just floating around. That's a big number. The initials AK represent what? What does that stand for? Who wants to take it? Kalishnikov? Automat Kalishnikova, correct. Yes. And that, that is, is correct. Russian for automatic Kalashnikov. Who? For the you know, it's named after the designer, Mikhail. Who can say his middle name? How do you say it? It's Tomifievich. Tomifievich. Kalashnikov. MTK are his initials. They should do a a special MTK version of the AK-47. But he designed that. Uh, He's credited with designing it back in uh, 1947. Of course, they didn't put it into service until like around 1949. Uh, And then the rest is history. And I always like to get my new guest's take on, you know, kind of what they've heard about the history of the AK-47. So, Charlie and Joe, what, what's your take on the history of the AK-47? What have you heard through the grapevine? I, I really like the way that the, the early AKs kind of circled back and then ended up where they were between milled and then stamp guns and then back to milled guns and then the hybrid stamp guns and then push forward with that. Uh, I've always, one of my dreams is always to own uh, one of the original Type 1s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that comes from watching Jim Fuller put one together. Had to have been 15 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Early, I don't even think it was in Facebook. I think it was on one of the AK. MySpace? AK, AK files or something? Probably one of the first guns he put together, but watching him weld together and piece together an original Type 1 kit. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. See, my, my exposure to the AK, for, for those who don't know, I worked in a crime lab for 21 years, and I started there in 96. And there were two guns in the gun vault next to each other. One was the MP44, and then right one swallowed over was an actual bring-back Type 1 that was in there. And I burned the handguards off of that thing about three times. <laughs> uh, milled receiver, Type 1, or actual AK-47, not an AKM format rifle. And you st- and that was my real first exposure to that firearm and its platform was that gun in and of itself. Then uh, we used to, that was one of the, the full auto guns we had at the lab. Obviously, you know, a, a real uh, historical piece. It was on a t- it was on a form ten, which means it could never leave law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was considered destroyed as far as it being in the crime lab vault. Would never be moving out of that anyway. Uh, this gun, in and of itself, was a it was had been shot so many times. I actually had a flat spot on the recoil spring on the top. It was so warm. Uh, it was. The slickest AK I've ever picked up, and it was supposedly what we call it. It was a Dixie Mafia gun that was found in the woods after what we call it was called the Dixie Mafia raid. And so there's a what bunch city of was guns. this? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's in Baton Rouge, okay. And so this gun, 
date dated back to I was told like the late seventies, early eighties was whenever it was brought into state the state possession by the Louisiana State Police. And so that's where it that's where that gun lived. And so I've I've shot it because we didn't have ammo for the MP forty four. So if I needed a full auto gun for any kind of a demonstration or for a range day or something, that's one of the guns I would grab. And so that was the it, I mean it That was an authentic was, type one Russian Joe's seen it. It was a fan it's Definitely a yeah, milled receiver like. Now I like, think that, somebody that one with the duct tape pistol grip. No, that was <laughs> that was a uh, one of the, that was another gun in there that had a duct tape pistol grip. This one then pistol grip on it was was I don't think it was Bakelite, but it was it was something similar. I would think somebody as ingenuitive as yourself, uh, Charlie, would be able to piece by piece sneak that out. Um, all, I could have, except for, you know, the receiver and yep. it did get, there was an inventory done annually and we didn't know when that was going to be. So that was not something I was going to do. Um, so, but I got to shoot it whatever really I wanted. So kind of just, it was great to have it just there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, while we're talking about it, that's your first exposure to, uh, to an AK. Let's, let's talk about Joe. Joe, what was your first exposure to the AK 47? I got into AKs because ARs were flipping expensive, and they were all this modern aluminum and whiz-bang stuff. And then I was able to get a parts kit. I believe it was $69 with barrel <sighs> and some compliance parts and a flat, but no rivets. And... Lacking some other stuff, I think it was I think it was sixty nine dollars from J and G Sales, or so it may have been AK Builder. This is a fold it yourself. This was one in my late teens, mm-hmm. and it was on a whim because I saw this thing called an AK Builder or an AK AK Kit Party. That's what it was, the AK Builder Party. And I went to New Orleans and built this AK, um, folded the flat. Kind of like a Tupperware uh, party for, for women. Just they, like yeah. a Tupperware party. And then <laughs> once that happened, I mean, it was just kind of, it was history. I, I, 17, 18, I might have been 19, but I'm pretty sure I think I was, I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. Now that's the gun that's beside you there? I actually still have that gun, yes, right here. Look at it, look at it. It was firing Gorgeous. at one time. Uh, actually, it probably still... It's what's if you put a magazine in, it probably still go bang. I'm pretty sure it looks like everything's there. Um, it wouldn't actually. It probably would run just fine because there's enough there, um, at least for it to cycle out. Put your glove on and hold it in make place. Make its way back into the gas block. That's another matter. But you don't gas need tube, it. Uh, this thing could probably run again. That's cool. So you're going to send me some pictures of that so I can post that, right, so the listeners can see that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is a 1980 Romy G. And what's cool about the Romanian, the guard AKs, uh, they have the little little red G on them. And over time, this G just got worse and worse and worse as far as, like, like the late 70s guns, a beautiful G. The 80s still look nice. Once it got in like 82, 84, 86, yeah. the G's just went like, and it was barely there. But the thing about the guard guns is the guard guns weren't machine guns. They were semi-auto guns. 
so they were never beat to hell and abused and and rattle trapped. So they really are probably the best kits that mass like in mass that the U.S. has ever seen to build. Uh, nowadays they're they're commanding a hell of a premium. I think they're going for around seven hundred bucks on uh, Gunbroker. Yeah. If you can. I bet they're going for more than that. Bet they're going for like fifteen hundred. For the kits, man. Probably. They did some crazy times right now, but that's that's my first experience and really my first. Um, and that's cool. You still have it. That's modern awesome. sporting rifle thing. Yeah, finger quote modern sporting rifle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm actually a, a, I'm a lover of the SKS too. I think it's a great design and uh, it's an inexpensive rifle. It has a few quirks, but once you know them and understand them, that's a great, great gun too. They used to be inexpensive, just like everything else. <laughs> I don't know. I got one this weekend for what? What, Charlie? About uh, ninety dollars. There was a, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a box of ammo and some, and some change. And Joe's, okay, look what I got him. Stop getting those. <laughs> Get me um, one. I'll take one. I don't have I an nice SKS Renko, yet. Real nice Norinko. Had the threaded end barrel. Uh, all matching numbers. Had the correct bayonet. Uh, had a sling. Uh, only thing, it was an early IO import. And apparently the stock was really rough, so they sanded it and urethaned it. It was a decent urethane job, though. I mean, it was real shiny. I mean, it, I mean, it could be buffed out. So you guys were at a uh, gun show this past weekend, right? We were, yep, up in North Louisiana. Talk about that, because there's not a lot of those going on around the country these days. Not not around. We've only been down, there was only about a period of two months or so where there were no more shows. Uh, But after that, they just kind of had their local restrictions and and body count uh, limitations. Yeah. Uh, our nor our Baton Rouge location, uh, they had the little trademark, which I guess it's probably about eight thousand square feet, maybe ten. Well, they had to move it to support all the tables and apply the social distancing to the arena, which is next door, but it's like five times the size. So it it looks crazy because the same amount of people that are packed in normally in this eight nine thousand square foot area is now spread in this probably, it had to have been, a, it's a four-acre arena. Oh, wow. That's pretty but we're still, we're still rolling with gun shows here in Louisiana and really hadn't slowed down. I think they're still having them here in Tennessee, too. I just haven't seen them advertised as much, I guess. They're, they're pretty prolific here these days, and we try to make most of the local ones. If, for, for one, the cell suppressors, for two, just to let people know that we exist. So, um... Brian, have we ever talked about your first exposure to the AK-47? I think we have, but let's tell that story again. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I was uh, getting into defensive firearms, hadn't shot them as a kid, growing up on, <clears throat> excuse me, 22s and 12 gauges and that kind of thing. Um, but my dad had uh, spent a good amount of time in Vietnam and came back and decided he didn't want to kill anything anymore. And so I didn't... Uh, didn't grow up with with black rifles, but I uh, was living in California and had small children, and realized that you know running away is always a good option when you can, and uh, that had always worked great. But when you got a little kid, uh, you can't run away anymore, and so that was my introduction to oh, like guns are guns are great because um, you're not hand to hand fighting if you got a little kid in your hands, 
you're not knife fighting, and that leaves guns. And so set about to find the simplest um, solution that I could for self-defense. And for a handgun, that was easy. That's the Glock. Done. You know, and we can argue about which brand of Glock you like, whether it's a, oh, I don't know, whether it's a Smith & Wesson Shield or whatever. But, you know, striker-fired polymer handgun gets the job done. When you get to rifles, it's a little more tricky. And uh, I was looking at making, um, I was in California at the time, and so I uh, wanted to skirt all the firearms laws I could with regard to registration. And so I was looking at making my own. And uh, the 223 was not terribly satisfying from a terminal ballistic standpoint, meaning how, how quickly it makes stuff dead. And uh, so I was looking at 30 cal and was trying to make a short-barreled AR-10 and some people since then have figured out how to do it. But at that time, you know, the, they basically didn't work. And um, it never, that was the original prototype for the M16. And, you know, um, the whiz kids over in McNamara's defense part, department were like, hey, this gun's pretty cool, but can you make it in 223? And so Stoner, you know, made the AR-15 and, and then that advanced to a mil spec. But, you know, the AR-10 never really got got brought along until quite recently. So after I had all this experience with an AR-10 that didn't work, I was like, you know what? I think I'm reinventing the wheel here because I want a short barrel, like a 16-inch barrel and uh, a 30 cal, and I want it to work. And the AK I'd always thought was hideously ugly. And I started to take a second look at it and fell in love with the ugly and uh, got myself a, a milled, uh, at that time, hold on a well, second. I won't say which I won't. Okay, go ahead. I'm muting him. <clears throat> cool. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> so, uh, let's see. Shit, where was I? Uh, Mild. oh, yeah. So, uh, oh, the, ugly. Yeah, the AK I just thought was hideously ugly. And then I fell in love with the ugly because I dove in and looked at the functionality and the simplicity of the design. And a good example would be the dust cover on an AR-15 has, I don't know how many parts, like five or six, something like that. And on uh, the AK, it's the safety. There's no part. There's no dust cover. The The top cover on an AK, we, uh, you know, we call that the dust cover. But, you know, the equivalent there, uh, the Soviets figured out how to do it with one part to do two jobs. And so the love affair really kicked off from there. And I got a, um, I bought my first one cause I wanted one that would just work and I won't mention which brand it was, but it was a, a milled gun. And the thing was so stinking heavy that after my first day of training, I had a neck injury and there were very few guns that you could, very few AKs that you could legally import into California. And there are basically no stamped guns of quality that you could get in. So I was going to build my own. And again, get a, get around the registration. So took a class from Jim Fuller because I did a, a survey of uh, a YouTube survey and realized that there were definitely ways to blow your face off making AKs. So I uh, went and took the builder class from Jim and then made my own after that. And uh, it was atrocious and didn't work. How long ago and was that? Another, that was uh, 2015. Okay. So not too long and, ago. Uh, not not that long ago, and I made another one, it was, and it was atrocious, and it kind of worked, and um, started designing parts for the gun before I could really build them, and having other people, really good builders, build my actual defensive guns, and uh, eventually, 
you know, built enough atrocious guns to start coming out with a gun that was worth something. And uh, that's been the progression. But the, the first guns I built were more or less straight RD clones. You know, that was a really good... Jim figured out a lot of really cool stuff there with making the gun more ergonomic and less front-heavy. And uh, so I've just kind of been continuing down that road ever since of, of trying to make the guns um, more ergonomic and, and, uh, uh, balanced. And although, you know, our, the current effort that we're doing with the 1775 is just a culmination of a, a bunch of different efforts, just marching down that same line of bringing everything that's better about the AR to the AK. Um, All right. Who is Chantel? Huh? Chantel's my wife. Oh, and, yeah. Where are you She's awesome. That? that thing causes trouble and, and keeps us in business. Well, she is awesome because we're going down the road of my first uh, Occam Defense build today. I am pumped to be building you a gun. I'm really I wanted, excited. About I've wanted that. one since the first batch. Do tell. <laughs> do tell. Let's talk about this. I've wanted one since the first batch. I think the first time I talked to Brian was at one of the shot shows with that milled sight tower. And mm -hmm. I think the one of the first things I told him, like Brian, this this is really cool. Good you gotta right figure out how to make this cheaper, and he did. <laughs> Just for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, we ever since then, that. I've been kind of keeping an eye on it. And then when he announced the the ODS, or was it the ODS at that time? We did the Merc uh, first, the Merc handguard. No, this was before the handguard. Yeah, so the rifle came after the handguard because I couldn't sell any handguards. And uh, Jaeger and a bunch of other folks were like, bro, that's nobody right. wants to do gunsmithing at all. And, that's right. Uh, you, you need to, you know, figure out, you need to sell guns. The way you're going to sell handguards is by selling guns. And uh, yeah. so, you know, took that to uh, to heart. And um, it's, it's uh Yeah. <laughs> it's all and now all you're millions of dollars there. into it <laughs> yeah. thanks james <laughs> so it's a sight tower then the merc and then the gun that's right yep yeah and i'm trying to think if i had any intermediate products in there but and then um, the site yeah. the the front sights and then the uh, buttstock there yep that's relatively yep. new so I missed out on, I think, the first three pre-orders or so. And at one point, I was like, well, I guess I'm too far down the road and he's just too busy now. But <laughs> recently, I got to the point where, I, you know, I need to pull the trigger. Um, I really want one of these. And it's going to be a pistol, of course. Oh, sweet. Because um, I'll probably SBR it once it gets here. Yeah. Yeah, the pistols are great. Um yeah, ten and a half inch barrel. Um, they're, they're very handy. I've got yeah. my order in for one of those too. Yeah. What, what barrel thread do you use on those? You know, we don't thread barrels anymore. I use this CryoFit deal that we figured out. That isn't that. It's not new, um, but yeah. it's used everywhere in industry where you you chill the the thing on the inside. You know, in this case, the barrel. We chill in liquid nitrogen. And then we heat up the muzzle device to about seven, eight hundred degrees. And uh, when they're both at room temperature, there's about a thousandth to a thousandth and a half of interference. 
And when we uh, heat up the outside, the ring, the muzzle device, and shrink the, the barrel, the inside, the outside grows, the inside shrinks, they slide past each other for a few seconds, and that allows us to get extremely good alignment and, um, and do a bunch of stuff that you couldn't ordinarily do because of the way the AK is put together. Um, it's a 30 cal gun. And, and so if you thread them half 28, you can do that. And there are people that do, it just scares us a little bit because you end up with less than a 16th of, of actual metal holding the suppressor onto the barrel. And, uh, so you can't do five eighths 24 because the gas block wouldn't fit on. It's, it's a smaller diameter than that in the bore. So this is a solution we've figured out that works for us. There's other good ways to do it. That's just, like I said, what works for us. And, um, so we offer three varieties there. We've got a brake that we just came out with that has a suppressed the the dead air key mount system on it there, and um, it it doesn't work the way that most other uh, brakes work. It actually channels the blast forward instead of backward. So it it doesn't reduce recoil a ton, but what it does do is not give you foggy thinking after shooting it all day, and um, that's a big deal for our folks in California that are through legislation are required to have a break. Um, and also for folks that might be, you know, if you're under 150 pounds and shooting an AK, I think a break is a reasonable option. Um, and so we do a break, a vortex style flash hider. And then we also have a collar that gives you five eighths, 24 threads on the front end. So if you want to direct mount a can or something um, for the pistol, that's a really good option. Um, and it works the same way. It's just that you get the, by sliding this adapter over the end, we can make the diameter big again so that you've got a registration shoulder for your five eighths, 24 threads to put that can on or whatever. Well, that sounds like the winner there. <laughs> I, so I think for you and, and your cans, yeah, direct threading a can on the front end is, that's the bee's knees. I'm a big fan of the, um, chemo system but we test pretty much everybody's designs as well as our own so i'm gonna i, I have to have some kind of just threading just simple threading on there yep yep that's, so that's why that's, we that's picked out is it it works you know dead air is a great company and mike's been good to me um but it's also kind of as close to a universal standard as you can get um you know, it'll, it'll take an act, you know, your cans have that one and three eighths by 24 thread optional on the rear end, as I understand it. And, um, so it'll run an Atlas. It'll do, uh, oh gosh. I think there's 10 of us now. Okay. That are all, yeah, you know better than me. Yeah. I think um, there's 10 of us. Um, and uh, I think it's pretty much the closest we've had to a universal name is the X375 pattern. Oh, okay, cool. I'm glad to know there's a name for it. That's that's the one I like, so I'm trying it's to make tentative. it better. <laughs> well, we'll run we'll run with it there. So, you guys, Joe, you guys are known for your your cans, your suppressors, uh, you know, among other things. But you know, really for those, and you've yep. got you've got a new one coming out. And you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Talk about talk about that one. We do, and it actually, uh, it was developed. It was conceptualized. And it fits perfect around the AK platform. Um, and it really was started, we started with our modular stuff. All of our suppressors are future-proof, so there's a modularity with it. 
So we already have this base module. We wanted to continue growing with this. And multi-cal suppressors were getting really popular. And then lo and behold, 9x39 comes out. 9x39 is going to be a thing. We're going to import millions upon millions upon millions of rounds. We're going to have 9x39 AKs. So I was like, hmm, I really like this round. And me and Zach were talking, and we already had something close to it because he was working on a on kind of a side project that was a 9mm pistol can slash rifle can, but would be perfect for 9x39. So we decided to go ahead and start proceeding with this and went through several different variation types and designs and things like that. And the end result is now the Sabre 360. And it has had many names since then, or before then. Um, it was going to be an offshoot of the old, the Orion, our original heavy-duty welded 30 cal can. Yeah. And then it ended up as a, an offshoot name of the pistol can, the Pillum. And then finally, we decided it was going to share the family of register sections of the Sabre. Uh, with it being 36 caliber, it's now called the Sabre 360. It does all 360 degrees of your <laughs> suppressor needs. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's titanium. It's a 36 caliber bore. Uh, it's a Delta baffle style, so it's it's more aimed towards rifle use, i.e. the 9x39, 760x39. Uh, the One of the first rifles we ever put it on was a 5.45 AK. Uh, but being a 36 caliber, being what the AK does, whenever bullets leave it, you want a little bit more um, freebore area. So that 36 caliber definitely does gives you some. How some did opening. Mike Papa say it? You need a need a little wider hallway to throw the hot dog down. Yep. <laughs> so like that. the Saber 360, uh, we just we released it in October, and we had intended of releasing the first production run to Louisiana, and then our next production run, start offering it nationwide. Well, we sold out of our initial production run within the first week to Louisiana. We tripled the next production run, and by middle, end of December, we had sold out all of that production run. You're welcome. Meanwhile, I'd already talked to all of our dealers. Like, hey, we got this can coming. They've seen it. They love it. They've touched it. Feels like great. We're gonna get it. And then I had to make the call. Like, hey, we're uh, working on our third production run, and we're about halfway through it. Already sold out. So we're finally um, about that time <laughs> through the first production run. I realized that this was gonna be a hit, and I ordered a new uh, new machine strictly for cutting this, uh, dealing with more of the titanium parts. Uh, Brian, do you cut any titanium or have you cut titanium? Uh, I live in fear of cutting it, so educate me. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so we bought a machine yeah. that is uh, twice as big, twice as heavy, more rigid, more horsepower and everything just to handle the titanium with a little bit less stress than what we were doing it before. So we specifically got one this one machine to make this can faster and better that is awesome um, and it's got high pressure cool. at, at, What's that? At, at the risk of derailing you can we loop back to your future proofing because i i don't think you can overstate what a big deal that is particularly like if you mess up and put your can on a bad gun for example 
You want to talk a little bit about how you do the serialization on your suppressors and what makes them so special in the way that you're taking care of the customer in a way that I'm not sure a lot of people understand. So if you don't mind, I'll toot your horn for you if you want, but I think you can you can describe it better than I can. Uh, thank you. Uh, future proof, the future co proof concept is something uh, that I started with uh, very early and wasn't able to make it to fruition until Zach came along um, and started putting his uh, magic behind it. And it started with our 22. Basically, the register section allows us to constantly be able to evolve, to constantly be able to improve and tweak the core, pardon the pun, of what the suppressor does. Suppress, be easy to clean, things of that nature. But with legal regulations and things, we were locked in a box or in a tube of what we could do inside of that. So that hatched the future-proof concept of how can we make this suppressor still 100% kosher and ATF size, make it easy for us to be in compliance, our dealers in compliance, our end users in compliance, but allow us to do two very simple things. One, easily fix boo-boos and allow our customers to never be left out in the cold because i purchased a can it took i think 13 months of the time and by the time i received the can that can had been discontinued and no longer supported for seven months and i was really really frustrated so whenever we started shifting from can hey cans are cool we're doing this as a side project to now 90 to 95% of what we do are suppressors. I wanted to make sure that our suppressor customers would never be left out in the cold and feeling like I did whenever I hit that. So the future-proof concept is and will always be uh, a pathway for modularity and an upgrade path and an easy repair. Because if you... If you launch a can or you run, somebody shoots 9 millimeter through your 22 or 338 through your 30 cal can, damage is going to happen. Uh, you get a bad bullet with an air pocket and the lead that destabilizes. You're going to get damage to the can. It's part of the industry. It's an understood that cans are going to get nuked. Now, how do we make this not be um, a big deal for the customer? For us, for as a manufacturer, okay, can died, get another one. For our end user, they have months and two hundred dollars into this thing. Two hundred additional dollars, yeah. Yeah. What happens in three years or in two months or in four months when suppressors may or may not go the way of transferable machine guns? What happens then? Um it's it's just the future-proof concept is kind of a safety net for all of that. And, uh, and in our testing, the way we kind of proofed and showed how um, how the future-proof concept works is we always bring our cans to destruction, absolute destruction, as many times as we can. And in the Saber family, we actually have one registered section that has uh, been killed and destroyed four times, and it's probably going to have its fifth death. Uh, coming up shortly. And the experiment is to destroy this can in as spectacular as fashion and as fast of a fashion as we can and then get it back up and running. Uh, and it's it's 
fourth life right now. Uh, we nuked it on a seven and a half inch AR machine gun with drums, 60 round surefire mags, I think some 40s. But at the end of the day, it was glowing red. You could see the core through the tube, and then most of it puked out the front. Within three to five minutes of finding where the parts were, making sure everything was there, making sure nothing was damaged, we had it apart, had it back together as a new can, and we're shooting again. And so just to, to bring it all the way down to second grader level for those of us who are new in the can space, when you get a tax stamp on a suppressor, there's a serial number on that suppressor. And so the way Joe does it is he's got a section of tubing that is the regulated item or whatever he's calling it. It is the can. So and it's nearly indestructible. And that part is nearly indestructible. And so the guts can, can barf out the front end of the thing. And because it's the same serial number, you could send it back to Ackley. You can tell us in a second how you actually do it, because I know possessing com suppressor components can get weird. But let's just say you had to send it back to Ackley. If I'm Joe Can owner and I put 9 mil through my 22 can, I just send back the 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 wreckage with the tube that's still in one piece, um, the outer part that has the serial number on it, Joe can put new guts back in the thing and ship it straight back to me. And the ATF, legally, they have nothing to say. But we don't need to even talk to them. But if a can that's welded shut has a has a catastrophic malfunction, you're into a new serial number. Joe can't just or you know welded new serial number is a whole new product, right? Yeah, well, and it's product. a new tax stamp and a new waiting period. And so what Joe is doing with this future-proofing, it's not just the ability to put in you know, better baffles in the future. It's if you break it, if you do something dumb, then you're not into waiting another year to get another can and another $200 and another set of fingerprints and all this nonsense. You're just back in the fight. So it's... It, is this it the way that most... Uh, suppressor companies or all suppressor companies are doing that now? None. Nobody else is doing it. We're the only manufacturer of future-proof systems. Uh, in our center fire cans, um, the register section is the rearward part of the mount and tube, uh, and it's protected and shrouded by the muzzle brake or flash hider or mount or other device. So the bullet has no possibility of ever striking the serialized portion of the suppressor. So even the worst catastrophic failure or machine gun erosion or anything like that will never affect the registered component. Um, we awesome. have not had a registered component failure yet. Um, as the only time we've had failures when we do in our initial prototyping uh, is when we manufacture out of an inferior material, bring it to destruction, and we analyze the data, look at it, see why it failed, and then we make it with the material that we're using. Uh, the end result, uh, we've never had a failure in the real world of one of our registered sections. Um, we used to build suppressors a lot like other people with expensive, super hard to machine exotics like um, Inconel and Hastelloy. We've experimented with Stellite and things. It's very hard to machine. It's expensive. And in 90% of most cases, it's not needed. The way we do that is we build the can very lightweight, uh, keep the price down, 
And if we have those people that do have the machine guns on it or eroded or anything, it's a very easy replacement for the core section. And if they do, then I uh, give them a second can, fix their first can, and now they have two sec two cans to kind of spread the erosion love around. So uh, <laughs> if there's a failure, we can swap the cores in. Uh, but what that does, it allows us to to stay away from those super exotic, super hard um, pain materials, in the yeah. butt to deal with materials to keep it uh, just a simpler, future-proof concept. Very cool. I mean, and that's that's huge. I mean, if you if you look at the benefits of that versus, like you said, if you have a failure, then having to go repurchase another suppressor, the wait time, the two hundred bucks. That's 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 huge, and I didn't realize that you guys were the only ones doing that. So. Yep, and Marty, you have some of our cans. If you look at your Atlas or one of your Sabers, you can see where that future-proof section is. That's the rearward section of the mount, mm -hmm. the little spiral-fluted area, and you'll see that seam line where everything kind of mates together and threads. Right there. Got the uh, Orion. Right. Or not go the Orion, the other way. The, 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 the other way. Is it over that way? way? Yeah. I'm back asswards. There you go, right there. That looks like a can. That looks like an Atlas. That's Atlas. Yep, that's our yeah. big body 30 cal can. That's the only one I have. I need a Saber. I, I could use the a Saber. The Saber is the 5.56. Five, I need that. Uh, and now the whole Saber family is the inch and a half. Uh, now, all this is culminating into something we're probably going to release late, late this year, early next year um, for some really cool stuff that's it's still going to be all part of the Sabre 360. So any purchaser of the Sabre 360 will be able to take advantage of this new new Whizbang technology stuff that we've got coming. Whizbang technology, okay. Yep. <laughs> it, it's so it's so top secret even I don't know about it. Lighter, quieter, Whizbang newness. Uh, anybody that's part of our future proof technology will be able to participate in it. The new hotness. I like it. I like it. Well we'll have to have you on uh, when that hits and have you talk about it. So that's why I need a, a an ODS pistol so we can uh, tweak it and develop it. And, and yeah, I just, yeah. I like the way Brian looks and ha has his take on the AK building. Um, he's kind of modernized it to utilize current machining technologies and materials here in the States. But still, you have the robustness, the reliability, the simplicity, and the uh, the safety factor of of the, the original AK design. I think they had to do that just because they had such shitty, terrible materials at the time. Yeah. That's why I hate the Galil. I like the Galil, too. Uh, so, uh, you know, what we can do for you, Joe, is, you know, we're having this class come up into this month, and we're going to have several ODS 1775s there. So if you want to send a couple of Sabres our way to uh, to test out and try... During the class, maybe get... Uh, Who is our 07 that we can send to? Uh, Royal Range or, or Brian. You can send it to Brian. Brian? Yeah, okay. yeah, that'd be great. Let's let's swap FFLs and SOTs after this. And um, uh, I would love to... Um, I have not yet shot an Atlas can on a 1775, and we need to fix that, like, now. Um, so, yeah, let's do that. And um, it would be a lot of fun to demo those cans. Um Got the class there. A lot of guys well, don't have a chance. Put them together. Uh, we're in a process. We're in a production run now. Um, it might work out that I'll have some of those available to okay. send out. That would be very cool. 
Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Uh, we're so, pretty proud of it. It's, we're, we're really happy with it. Uh, and I've never liked multi-cow, multi-roll suppressors. Uh, I try and stay away from the hybrid or the... What are all the names and things that people come up with? It's the hybrid suppressors, the universal suppressors. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of settled on the multi-roll concept. Multi-caliber, uh, but it's yeah. A, a multi-roll sportsman's can, um, lightweight but still very, very robust and, and useful. Uh, all the way down, you can even use it on your uh, Glock 19, which is one of the notoriously hardest to suppress pistols. Oh, wow. That'd be awesome. Well, yeah, send those our way. We'll uh, we'll get some some feedback from some of the students and the guys there at Roll Range. Have you met Art before? Maybe I've I can blow you. one up. And you can come, too, if you, you want to come down or come up. Next weekend? Weekend, what weekend uh, was that? 20 and 20, 20 and 21st. Oh, I think we got a show. At least I do. 21. 20th and 21st. Oh, that's weekend after next. Weekend after next, yeah. Yep. I might be a bit tight. I don't know if I'll be able to do that one. I, do, I know we do have a show that weekend. Okay. Well, it'll be a good time. Like I said, there's going to be some personalities supposedly coming. Well, Let's, if there's anything that does explode or die or anything, try and get all the parts so we can check it out. <laughs> it's an indoor range that. so that has uh yeah that, that, that you said it's that royal range royal yep. range usa I love that place i love royal range mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah art would love to see you definitely it's an old movie theater isn't it yeah yeah convert an old movie theater into one of the most badass uh ranges there is it's a beautiful range. range beautiful, and beautiful I'm, range. I'm only exaggerating slightly when i say you could eat off the floor there the lead mitigation that they do is crazy they've got like the equivalent of a gun range zamboni they've got all this rubber tire media <laughs> that's their backstop and then they go through and they they harvest the media they the the front end of this thing it's like a mini combine has a gobbler on it that grabs all the, the media and washes it and harvests the lead out and the lead settles to the bottom and then it this thing shits the, the rubber material <laughs> out, out the back end and so they're constantly cleaned. Well <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my wife and kids are constantly saying like, Why is everything a butthole with you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oral anal fixation, but there we, were, we, we digress. The other day, that has the it has the grates in the floor, and like Royal Range does, the Royal Range has the conveyor belt for the brass. It collects the brass and, and drives that out to the back as well, I believe. Man, yeah, that's pretty cool. I guess that gets they able to get rid of all that unburnt, unburnt powder too. Yeah, it's, that's it's fun. A multi-million dollar uh, setup. But I wanted to talk. Um, I thought maybe we should talk more about suppressing the ak-47 today but that last episode we did in season two i mean we really got detailed in that so i'm just going to refer you leadheads go listen to that episode we had uh, zach from Atlas, we had mike Poppas from dead air uh, curse house from from vso and uh, we talked about the inherent problems with suppressing the ak-47 and then we talked about um ways uh to, to get around those uh, those problems and, and make it work. So we're not going to get into that because that'll be another two-hour talk uh, today. But uh, I did want to ask you guys about your uh, integrally suppressed AK. I mean, it was the bee's knees uh, and all the talk. 
there when it first came out, the Velociraptor AK-47. What's the what's the story on it these days? Uh, we are in uh, probably the final beta test right now. Uh, we've got a few that we got to finish out. We've been kind of set back uh, with COVID has increased our core product demand tremendously. Um, unknowingly, uh, we started a retail store front gun shop. So Atlas has always had a retail presence, but it's been more of a factory showroom outlet. And hey, you can buy some ammo, some Glocks too. We really like Keltec and Mossberg, but that's about it. Well, November before last, so November 2019, or actually October 2019, I started the process of turning us into a real gun shop up front, blow out some walls, and then turn, I think it's around 2,700 square foot of gun shop, uh, enough room for 300 guns, rifles, and pistols. And wham, bam, we opened Black Friday 2019. A hmm. uh, huge, huge hit. Uh, I've had more people in the in the store than we've ever had. Um, fast forward about three months, and all this, the COVID stuff hits, and now gun stores are more popular than ever. So um, unexpectedly, the, the retail store is... It's taken a lot of my attention and, and some of our other guys' attention. And it's called Mo Guns. Yep, Mo Guns. Get some Mo Guns. <laughs> Get you, you some Mo Guns. guns. Mo guns. Get you some uh, Mo But guns. anyway, the combination of that, the extra demand for our suppressors, has kind of slowed um, our prototyping and the beta testing. and New things product development and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Because it is a very, story very for everybody these device. days. Uh, basically, we manufacture everything on that gun um, from the trunnion forward. So the gas blocks, the barrel, the gas systems, the gas piston, the sight block, the sight tower, the front sights, um, as well as the can itself is all manufactured uh, and designed and developed. And it's a, a lot of complex moving things for what started as kind of a as a race car, kind of like what Ford did. Uh, you win on Sundays, you sell on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's what the Velociraptor started out to be, and uh, it kind of grew into something a little bit more um, um, complex and more of a, a niche product. It's uh, We are going to have it as a main production line item, but we want to make sure we have our production capability all in a row. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait for that. I mean, I've it was about two or three years ago when we were at the range with that. Uh, two years ago, yeah, it should be about two years ago. We had the first. Or, well, no, it would be three years because Shot Show just yeah, did it three years. It was at the Anterior Alliance to try and buy mm-hmm. at the Pro Gun Club. That was so basically just the heart of the gun. It's an AK with three suppressors. Uh, you have the three major gas events in, when you shoot a firearm. Well, we're taking and, and capturing as much of the gas off of all three events to keep the signature and the sound and the gas captured inside the can and push it forward in a time-delayed release as much as possible. And it's not something anybody's ever done before. Yeah. So you guys are it's like a nine, nine-and-a-half-inch barrel uh, yeah, it's uh, 9.333. Yeah. 
9.333. And then you Oddly got enough. creative vents and things like that that you're doing internally to, like you said, redirect all that. So it, yeah, it's cool. It's definitely cool. It's uh, and is that one of Zach's designs? It is. Yep. Yeah, he's a genius. Yeah, has a uh, large, uh, large uh, influence by the guys over at um, Greenforce Tactical. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Joe, what are those three events? Uh, well, you have your muzzle release, you have your chamber release as the round comes out, uh, but more importantly, you have the release coming out of that large ass uh, gas port for the gas system for the function to actually work. Um, so, one of the key things about the AK reliability is the amount of gas that is utilized and corked off. It's kind of a self regulating system, but all of that gas. Once it's been used to cycle the gun, it's got to go somewhere. Well, now we're capturing it, redirecting it, and releasing it on a slower scale. Instead of right in front of the shooter's face, it's now out front of the can. Ooh, nice. Kind of like what you were talking about with uh, your design on the break that you did, Brian, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a... a that's the idea is we want to get noise. And, you know, in, in the case of our break, we're just channeling it forward. And in the case of of, uh, of Joe's design there, a good example would be, um, or a good analogy might be, that instead of having a really um, fast impulse, like hitting something with a hammer, uh, you're giving it a slow but hard shove. And the energy is the same. But when you push it out slower, the volume is lower because we're just talking about sound pressure, right? And the way that the suppressors generally work is instead of having all the gas come out at once, uh, the way Joe's doing it with those three different sources of noise, he's bleeding it out over a longer time. And so the, the, the total amount of gas is the same, but when you spread it out over a long time, it's quieter. Yeah. It's like the difference between letting a fart out fast and letting it out slow. <laughs> a fart and a queef. <laughs> that's that's actually one of the yeah. My first day in public school, my dad asked me what I'd learned, and uh, I said I learned how to fart without making a noise. <laughs> and that, it was all downhill from there, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with my public school. Stretch education. it out over time. That's great. Yep, that's a brilliant description, Joe. Flatten like that curve. That's seriously. Well, I had to come up with something better, <laughs> or something that could uh, that could uh, compete with Zach's analogy because Zach's analogy is like the best ever. Ooh, uh, what is it? You haven't heard Zach's analogy of how a suppressor works? Mm-mm. <laughs> All right, if you blow up a balloon, you pop it, you get a bang. Or if you blow up a balloon and you open the valve and just let it slowly go out. You're le- you're letting the same amount of air go out. You're just doing it over a longer period of time. Now with a suppressor, you're doing some thermodynamics and grabbing some heat and things like that. But I always thought that that was kind of the most elegant way of saying, "Hey, this is how suppressors." I work. like the fart. That, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm digging the fart. Yours wins. Yeah, Leadheads, so. let's let's hear let's vote well, on we, that. Shoot me an email, talkinglet@gmail.com. We got to uh, <laughs> develop the toilet humor. But you got to talk like when you say it, you have to talk like this. You have to say when you pop a balloon, it goes back. <laughs> Sound like Zach. <laughs> All right, I think this is a good time to segue into our listener questions. 
let's get into those. I got a couple of emails I want to read, and then we'll get into the social media post that I, I made uh, the other day. This one comes from Tyler, and Tyler says, Hello, Talking Lead. My name is Tyler Austin. I'm a fan of your podcast, especially your AK Corner series. I'm in the final stages of writing a book called Combative Kalashnikov. And he used a K for combative, like we do for corner. Uh, which should be released by the beginning of December. So that would have been last month. Meant for last. As you can probably guess by the title, the book is all about fighting with an AK along with other Kalashnikov-related topics as well. I believe this book would interest both you and your listeners. I would love to come onto the show to talk about anything and everything AK, talk about the book, and maybe even give a few of them away to your listeners uh, once it's released. Would this be something you guys would be interested in doing? So I don't know. What What do you think, Leadheads? Uh, should we invite Tyler on the show? Uh, shoot me a email, talkingletgmail.com, and uh, let me know if you want to have Tyler on the show, and we'll we'll see if we can make that happen. Sounds like it might be a pretty cool book. It's always good to get as many points of view on a subject as possible. Yeah. Always. And then you just got to use your deductive reasoning and looking at it to figure out, hey, does this work? Critical thinking, baby. Work? Critical thinking. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see his bibliography and see where he, his research came from. You know, maybe he's got some sources of something that he found that I haven't read or none of us have read. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll get back with him and see if uh, maybe he'll send me a copy and then we'll we'll see if we can't maybe get him on. Uh, this next email comes from Leadhead Brett Brett B and uh, we actually read part of this email on our regular show. Uh, he was the guy who had the daughter. They started the competitive shooting together. Uh, they've been doing it for a while and they're getting better and better. Uh, she just had a 16th birthday, but he writes says, hey gang, big fan of the show in general, uh, but especially the AK Corner. Really enjoy the guests and the knowledge they bring to the table. Brian from Occam Defense is arguably my favorite finger quote guest, although he's more of a co-host than a guest. I, I would agree with that, wouldn't you, Brian? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. And, and uh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad it's useful. He says, I have been searching for the right AK to come along for a couple of years. Uh, and I've posted some pictures there. Those two pictures I've posted are the gun he's talking about here um, for you guys to look at. Uh, I've been searching for the right AK to come along for a couple of years. Several have popped up, but due to one thing or another, I was never able to get them. They all That all changed last weekend. A Vepper uh, popped up for sale, and not just any Vepper, but a Mint example that was purchased new in 2014 by somebody who was uh, uh, somebody who has only fired it a few occasions so very very low round counts what he's saying i was able to make a deal we could both live with he had uh, 10 smg mags and sling that were thrown in the deal i paid more than i wanted but prices have been crazy and russian ak's don't come around very often the importer was WPA of Anaheim, California. You guys familiar with them? Wow, that's an early, early gun. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. He said, I'm a fan of the furniture. I will shoot it this way for a while, but I'm looking to add a handguard from Occam 
and a more traditional butt stock and pistol grip. I know my options are limited, but looking for some advice from the experts. And those are the images there that I sent you guys. So, Brian, is he going to be able to get one of those Mercs on there? Uh, solid, maybe. Um, we have a video on our YouTube channel and on our website. If you go to OckhamDefense.com slash install, there are links to a whole bunch of videos. And one of them is, will the Merc fit my AK? And we go through detailed instructions there to figure out before you start cutting on your gun, whether it's a good fit or not. The Vepper is actually not an AK. It is an RPK. And um, which is an awesome gun, super awesome gun, but it's a little different from a standard AK. And so he would want to look at that um, at that video. But my general inclination, and our listeners can't see the uh, the photos, but that's a pretty mint gun, like he says. And um, if he wants to get a more traditional, and it's got a thumbhole stock on it, so the the pistol grip and the butt stock are one piece of wood and it is beautiful it's a really nice looking example my inclination would be that if he wanted to modernize it in the way that we do the highest and best use probably of that gun is to resell it for a lot of money because it's worth a lot of money and to buy one of our guns i, <laughs> I suspect that he'd be on pair on par there yeah and it's just you That's, know i don't yeah. it, there are certain classic guns that i just don't really believe in cutting on and that would be one of them. He's also got, because of that thumbhole stock, the, uh, the receiver in the back is, is a slant back. It's, it's got a, a diagonal cut in the back of it, and that really limits what you can stick on there. And there are adapters out there, but I try to stick away from adapters when I can. And so my, my gut inclination would be, if you love it, hold on to it, save up for one of ours. Yeah. Or there are many other fine AK manufacturers out there that, that might need to meet his needs as well. Um, but yeah, for the there's the way we price our guns out, there's not a lot of money to be saved by buying the parts and converting a gun. You know, yeah. our introduct the way I priced our introductory offering was that if you bought a Wasser and stuck all of the stuff on it that we did, you would be cheaper to buy one of our guns. Yeah. And so right our our guns are more expensive now because inflate were I saw I believe we're solidly into hyperinflation right now. I could be wrong, but the the money supply has nearly doubled over the last year. So like our our parts costs have doubled. So our our price increases are a reflection of that. And um it's a shame, but you know, when but you to see have a something like oh, this, like it's such mint condition too. I mean you don't really I wouldn't recommend changing it at all. I recommend keeping it. You know, add it to your collection, win more gun competitions, <laughs> and save your save your money from those, and then buy your choice. You know, Occam Defense is a great choice. Obviously, you're you know you're into the look. So, what that do you, gun should not be touched. Oh, that gun should be enjoyed and shot. It needs to go in the safe. Find the crappy ARs that are snuck in there. Sell those. And buy one Occam gun. Uh, Twenty. What are, what are they, Brian? They're twenty-two hundred dollars now, right? That's right. Yep. Okay. Yep. A Sam Seven, one of the Arsenal Sam Sevens, right now. Um, they're streeting for around twenty-four hundred dollars right now. I didn't know that. I got a well, not yeah. 
I should I should be raising my prices again. <laughs> you cannot get a better gun for the money. Uh Unless you go for like a Wasser, but I mean, you're talking half the gun, half the money. Yeah. So, I mean, the Delta is there. But for something that I would trust my life on that I wouldn't have to go through and prove and check and make sure that the fire control's good, I, I mean, the Occam gun from everything I've seen is one of the best AK buys out there. But please, 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 no matter what parts fit that Vepper, don't put them on it. Yeah, yeah that's my advice. Let, let it alone. Just. Just quit, quit fooling with it. Just let it, let it go, man. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's, well, like, it's good. And, and shoot the heck out of it. It's but not. Yeah. I'm not very short from almost saying that I would buy him an Occam defense gun and trade it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you'd be money ahead if you did that. Is my feeling that there you go. That, offers on the table, Brett. And and all the, all of this is not to to throw shade at him because he he got a whatever he paid for it. He got a hell of a deal. Is my suspicion. And so, uh, yeah, 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 good on you, sir, for finding a beautiful specimen. Yeah, plus, with all those extra mags and the uh, the ammo that he got with it, so it was, I think he probably got a good deal there. Hang on to that, Brett, and uh, just win some more competition, shoot better, and yeah, or uh, dig you up a or dig you up a Sega. I saw some Segas going for um seven fifty eight hundred at the gun show this past weekend. Holy smokes! I need to go to your gun shows, Joe. Shit, we've I've worked on so many of those guns. Holy cow! Oh <laughs> just we used to take the butt stocks and other stuff off of them and and just have just gaylords full of those butt stocks. Sell them by the, by the five gallon and fifty five gallon drum. Yeah, <laughs> they were the cheapest I can remember getting Segas. The shotguns I remember getting them for three nineteen. The Sega rifles two thirty nine. Oh my gosh. Wow, I'm sick. <laughs> I'm so sick. Maybe, maybe two sixty nine. I mean, what's the difference? Two two three and five four five rifles. Oh wow, man! And then the three oh eight are big money. And I also remember feeling and jumping for joy when we'd knock that front sight block off and find the threaded barrels. Yeah, yeah, big time. Those the Segas are are really nice guns. Right. Let me go to this they next are, question. I mean, they're, they're as close to a real Russian AK as you can get. Andy, yep. let's head Andy B. This is an email. It says Good afternoon, Talking Lead Crew. My name is Andy. I've been listening to you guys on and off for a while, and I recently rediscovered the AK Corner. Love the show, guys. I definitely gotten a little burned out on all the same old same with ARs, and I prefer my AKs way more. I used to listen to you guys while I was driving to work at my old job uh, at the local county jail. So I never got a chance to get engaged in your post on Instagram or anything. But now that I've got a new desk job, I'll be able to jump in there whenever I think about it. I also get to have headphones uh, in all day. That sounds like a cush job. So I've been on uh, an AK Corner binge since Monday, starting with Season 1, Episode 1. Man, you've been binging for a while then. So I'm now on Season 2, Episode 1. Call it overkill if you want, but I'm enjoying it. Well, there's a lot to enjoy there. A lot of knowledge bombs, a lot of education that we've uh, uh, done over the past two, and now starting Season 3. So a couple of other questions I've come up with for the show. What kind of tuning can be done to an AK on a budget. 
polishing the trigger, smoothing out the safety. I'm looking forward to the next episode. So Joe, you want to give him give bullets and magazines? Do what? Bullets and magazines. Bullets and magazines. <laughs> uh, I like the AKs. The AKs just work. I mean, there's some things you might want to loosen up, tweak the fire control a bit. Uh, you kind of got little short, stubby fingers. You, there's a couple things you can do with the safety or loosen it up. Uh, outside of that, get a good, comfortable grip on it. Uh, get comfortable with loads and reloads and malfunction drills with it and just shoot it. Yeah. The uh, the ALG trigger is a good trigger if you want to put a new trigger in it. Um, the uh, Sentry has a, a a little extension on their safety selectors. Have you seen that on that um, Thunder Ranch version that they did? Yeah, it's all it's all kind of a offshoot of the original. Uh, probably Krebs. I think Krebs probably the first guy that released it big time. They have those. But I mean, we okay. even us we've had our own versions of the little. We'll do that, but it definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some internal things that you can do too to, to make uh, disassembly easier in the future after you've disassembled it once. Uh, the, was that called? Or a pin retainer plate would be a generic. Pin retainer word. plate. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. I still, we still use the uh, Tromic Shepherd's hooks. By far, still, still my favorite. Yeah, you know, we were using Krebs plates, and um, I've had a few customers put them back in wrong when they went to fiddle with the safety. Oh, shit. And so we use Shepherd's Crooks now, and I'm sure that there's some people, some nerds out there like me that want to jack with their gun and, and curse me when they try to get the Shepherd's Crook out, but it is for a, a safety reason. And, yep, you could... You can put a pin plate in there, just understand what you're doing, and do a safety check afterwards after the thing's fully installed. Press pretty darn hard on the, on the skinny side of the pin, the way that it goes out, and make sure that those pins are still retained. Um, that is something, as a, as a real noob, I screwed up once, and um, it can cause an ND. So, so do beware there. And polishing triggers, my favorite way to polish a trigger is to shoot the gun. And that trigger is going to polish itself really nicely. And, um, um, yeah, like what Joe said, a nice grip. Um, the If you really want a red dot on there, the Ultimac um, is, a, is a good solution that is generally um, installable by, by people of, of decent handy skills. It can, depending on the profile of the barrel, it can screw the pass system not break it, but it won't cycle well. And so there's occasionally some shimming that needs to be done on them, but that's a decent upgrade that, that doesn't require gunsmithing exactly. It's sort of just, just below the level. If you're handy of requiring a gunsmith. Um, Oh, the, um, who is it? XS makes a front sight that is tritium for the AK. And that's a pretty nice little tweak you can do with, with, um, minimal, involvement um but mostly what joe said you know shoot shoot your run the, run the heck out of it and when you figure out that ammo and mags you know, yeah. ammo and mags and a lot dry practice is a really big deal especially with ammo being as expensive as it is and um you know you might want to wear some earplugs while you're dry practicing because that oddly enough running that action close to your ear over time 
um, can cause a little bit of hearing damage. And so uh, being conscious of that would be a good thing. 118 to 120 dB. Just the hammer hitting the... Just the bolt flying forward. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the sound's actually dampened a bit when it picks up a bullet and goes forward. Yeah, it's uh, when Everything it's... Brian said or mods that I recommend. Uh, I We keep Ultimax in stock. We install probably two a week. Uh, every AK I own, which is the reason why this one doesn't have one, doesn't have a gas tube, because I had an Ultimax at one time, and I pulled it off to put it on something that I was actually shooting. Um, the trick about the Ultimac is, remember, if it's a 74 uh, or any of the 74 size profiles, you'll need shims. And whenever you put it on, don't let the tube touch anything. Don't let it touch in the front. Don't let it touch in the rear. You want it to completely float uh, on the barrel. If you do that, you have about a 95% chance of not dragging on the, the piston or imparting any weird pressures on the barrel, the Ultimac, or the sight. Very good. The Ultimac is, is is a terrific, terrific, very simple, easy to install sight mechanism. Pretty Let's... low to the bore axis, about as low as you can get. Um, but remember, put a good quality red dot on it because it gets hot up there. Good, good yep. tips. Let's go to Facebook now. Let's get some questions on Facebook. Uh, first one is from Aura Abplanab. Abplanab. Abplanalp. A-B-P-L-A-N-A-L-P. Not ISIS. <laughs> it's more of a Swiss name, I think, or German. He says, uh, curious on your thought of traditional style AK optics on modern platforms. Examples like the uh, OKP-7, the PK, a red dot, etc., with the integrated sight mounts as opposed to running more modern setups with different mounting options. Getting ready to set up a new PSAK and was intrigued by the traditional options also if you read my question on the podcast bonus points for anyone who can pronounce my name correctly <laughs> okay i think i may Apparently have no it. bonus points are given today <laughs> <laughs> now i'm intrigued marty can you can you uh paste his name into our chat here yeah it's uh it's ab planalp is what it That's is. really helpful, Marty. Would you mind pasting it into but the I chat? Said it. I just said yeah. it right. It's right. Oh, I just realized <laughs> the chat had the picture of that Vepper. I just said yeah. that like an hour ago. Welcome to the conversation. I knew what it was when he said it, but now I'm looking at the picture. Yeah, that's a nice Vepper. I'm, 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 gonna go with, I'm not seeing it, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to play on this name here. Ab Planalp. I'm going to say Alp. Okay, that'll work. Alp. <laughs> so side side mounts on AKs was the question. Joe, yeah. you want to go? You want to take a stab at that name? Ab, ab, planal. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not going there. Charles? <laughs> I'm going to go Alplanalp. I've got one of the worst, like the hardest names to pronounce that I've ever seen, but that's like that one. <laughs> he wins. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a made up name when I first saw it. But. Too many too many consonants. Yeah. Yeah. So what was his question? I don't even remember. Side mounts <laughs> on AKs. Okay. It has to have a Russian cobra attached to said side mount. Other than that, no. Any other uh, feedback? Anybody else want to take that? Let me go to the next question. 
Yeah, I, I don't like the side mounts personally. That's just you know personal preference. There's all the different variants and whatever. I prefer the the gas tube mounts vastly more. I used one of Brian's uh, rear sight towers on a Palmetto State AK, and it works great. You know, for uh, you know, obviously I'm in the optics mount business, so if if I thought side mounts were a good thing, I'd be building one. Um, but uh, there are lots of people that that love them and have good results with them, and um, I do not personally know. Um, the gentleman that runs RS Regulate, but I hear from friends of mine that he's a really good person and makes a qu high quality product. And so that's through the grapevine. That's who I hear about when it comes to side mounts. I know Midwest makes one. I haven't shot it personally, um, but Midwest also makes very fine products. Yeah. So RS Regulate, if you have to put a side mount, it's a good way and probably the only way to put a small scope that I would recommend on AK. But the side mount was designed for things that we don't really use anymore. Yeah. Um, save for, I really do like the Russian Cobra Optic. But those things are, I haven't bought one or really looked at the price in probably five years. And then they were, they were approaching $700. But I'm a big fan of side folder guns. And you can't use your side folder option with a side mount. Good point. So you get a lot of you get a lot of negatives for not a lot of pluses. Yeah. All right, we'll go to the next question. Um, there's several optics questions on here. Uh, Jerry Black says, "Which silencer works best and lasts longer with AK?" I think we answered that. The is AK Aculus. Uh, follow up is the ODS a better choice with a silencer? Is it a cleaner running firearm than a traditional AK? Let's see. I think, you know, all guns get dirty, and uh, it really depends on what ammo you're using as to how dirty it gets, how quickly. But I'll tell you that for my personal guns, if I clean it, if I clean my AK once a year, it's it's an exception. Eh, a couple times a year maybe. And... Uh, my general procedure is to just wipe the gunk out of the action and add more grease. And that is typically all they really need to keep going. Um, occasionally, I will give a deeper clean, but, but the way that the gun is designed, when, when the gunk starts building up, it gets sloughed off. And so as long as you keep them wet, they tend to clean themselves. Um, for running suppressed, all of our guns, um, every single gun that we've made, I have a photo of the suppressor alignment for that gun. We check every single one of them, and it goes in an electronic tra traveler. Um, Rifle Dynamics also sells um, guns that are suppressor ready. And uh, so there are, um, and there are numerous other companies, M13, lots of folks um, sell sell suppressor ready AKs um, for those that were not specifically designed for a can. Um, they, you know, they, they can be made and aligned to work with an Aculus or something like that, but you wouldn't just want to go and get a 14-1 left suppressor adapter and screw a can on and rock and roll. You really want a suppressor alignment gauge, which is just a really 
a very, very straight precision ground rod that shows you what the path of the bullet will be. And um, I recommend those very highly. Um, the uh, Dead Air Wolverine has a conical uh, flight path for the bullet, and so it can work with poorly aligned guns. Um, but if you're going to wait a year and all that, $70 for a Geisley alignment rod is, I think, a very small price to pay. Um, I don't like to say that our guns are better or worse than others, because for some folks, like what Joe said, I completely agree that the Wasser is this is as good a value as our gun. And for somebody that is, you know, just starting out, get a Wasser, shoot the heck out of it, you know, and, and that's a great gun for that budget. Our gun is a totally different animal. And so, and the people, I don't have to advertise our guns anymore because when people shoot them, they want to buy them. And so that's, you know, for, for when you're ready for it, we're a great option, but I wouldn't say we're better or worse than, than anybody else. I think a lot of the dirty and suppressor and AK questions are kind of come about to the original thing that I alluded to when we started. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get that little bit of a cold snap. Uh, I know Brian laughed when I told him it's going to get down like 16 degrees. Like, ha ha, that's like... <laughs> That's that's fall weather for us. But the AK was developed to run in below zero conditions. To do that reliably, the gun is self-regulating, and on its on this window of how it operates, to get enough gas with powder that cold and around that cold, you have to have a much larger gas port than at higher temperatures. So in regular temperatures, the gas port is much, much larger than it needs to be. But that's so it can operate at those super adverse conditions under super gold stuff. So you end up with a lot of gas and a lot of carbon out there. Two, the rounds are very inexpensively and cheaply made, so they have a tendency to be really dirty, too. Uh, and then adding a suppressor, of course, is going to exacerbate that. Um, so, I mean, unless you're running your gun in the polar ice caps or down here in Louisiana, it gets 16 degrees, you can probably get away with a bit smaller gas port, uh, which is going to give you better sound performance, way less uh, bolt velocity. Uh, it's going to stay closed a little bit longer and run better. And I, and I have a feeling that's a, that's a lot of how um, Brian's guns run as smooth and as well as they do. I'm pretty I, sure Brian's not using the AK spec gas port size. Yeah. You're, you are exactly correct, um, and yeah, that is why our guns run so well with cans. We're not the only company to do that, um, but yeah, you don't need, you know, that that gun, that the reason the trigger guard is so big on an AK is so that you can run them with lobster mitts on, you know, with the glove that's a mitten, and um, Joe's exactly right on that. They were spec to run down at negative 45 Fahrenheit or Celsius. It happens to be the same thing down there, which is friggin' cold. And um, down there, like uh, exothermic reactions, like like a gun going off, are highly dependent on the initial starting temperature that they're at. And so um, this is why it is a really dangerous thing to leave your ammo out in the sun, especially if you're in Texas or Nevada or something. You're going to get a way different result because the ammo starts the powder and the ammo starts so much hotter. And conversely, down in the cold, yep, you get much lower velocities. Yeah. Uh, are you guys on Facebook or Instagram right now? Looking, at, not, looking no. at these are questions. I, 
I can be in almost immediateness. Okay. Log on, log on to there. Look at some questions you'd like to fill because I'm not going to read them all. On um, lead head? Hmm? On talking lead? Yeah, on talking lead under that post that I did with the the Mo guns. I kind of like all, man, all of them are great questions. I know. Some of them we've already kind of answered, though, too. So. Yeah. Um, Amanda. Do you see Amanda down there? Yep. Oh, Amanda. She was on a few episodes ago. I had her on. Oh, really? That's awesome. Cool. Oh, yeah. She's kind of a regular now. Oh, Sam Russell. Totally suppressed. Got the updates. Did that. Uh, I saw the... Buddy Mitch's alumni the weekend. Reynolds one. That's a great question. The Reynolds one? Yeah, Brad Reynolds. Okay. Yeah, the buttstock one. I was going to read that one, too. You want me to read that one? Uh, yeah, so we'll let Joe take the uh, the next question from Facebook here. Joe, which, what do you got? All right, so I think this is probably one of the foundation questions that you have to ask yourself when you're looking at AKs. Uh, Brad Reynolds Post, what is your preferred stock on an AK? Fixed, side folder, under folder, etc. The correct answer is uh, Q, all of the above. <laughs> but I really, really like the poly side folders, the left side folders. Uh, you get a really good lockup. You get a real stock. Um, of course, I do like the the Wasser, the uh, uh, Warsaw length because I'm a kind of a smaller guy. Uh, I like to run in a little bit. So when I build a gun, uh, it typically has a poly side folder on Ultimac up front and the um, Moloch grip. That's what my AKs look like. So. Uh, if I had to pick one, I'd say a left side folder. So what is the Molot grip? Uh, it's the original. It's one of the original Molot grips. I don't. Oh, know how Molot. To... Okay, I thought you Molot. said. It's the the oh. arsenal that that kind of created. Um... Yeah, yeah. I thought you said. I thought it was a play on your name, Mo Lock. Oh. <laughs> I thought you came up with your no, own that's grip. A real thing. I need to do that. Right. We had the I like the Molot grip. Uh, when you can find them, they're really, really hard to find these days. We had to translate from Cajun, Joe. <laughs> Brian, did See, you? I, I like triangle side folders, but that's just because they fit me better. Yeah. But that's just kind of personal preference. I have my guns in underfolder, but it was a gift from the guys that built me out of the, in the shop, and so I'll never get rid of it. And I could run it and shoot it. Speaking of. Uh... Side folders. Brian's got a new side folder. Yeah, and Charles, you might. I should send one along with Joe's gun, um, especially if you're going to SBR it. It, uh, yeah, it uses the Sig hinge, and it is patterned after the triangle side folder, which yeah. I love as well. Fits me great. And Joe will like the Warsaw length on it, which I recently educated myself on. I know I'm horribly late in doing that, but. Warsaw and NATO always confused. You know, I never never saw a clean explanation, but basically the NATO is about an inch and a quarter longer, as I understand it now. And um, we did the eight-inch Warsaw length, and um, yeah, it's a, a billet aluminum triangle with a bunch of sling attachment points, which is the big problem that I have with traditional triangle side folders and the way they're set up. And um, so we put a a sling QD, a couple inches. Yep, there, there's a Gen One fixed version that that 
uh, Marty is showing. But that, like QD, that QD point that's a couple inches back there um, does a bunch of great things for um, switch hand manipulations and also just staying out of your way but but working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really like it. Uh, and it incorporates one of my most favoriteest engineering structures ever devised by non-human things, and we now copy it. The hex? The hex honeycomb pattern. <laughs> the only too. pattern you can build a structure with and have no wasted space. I got to think about that. There's nothing else that has the that you can do as many things with and not have wasted space. I yes, I I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it is. And uh, have you guys ever kept bees or been around uh, alive? Yeah, my parents. Uh, my parents did. Uh, my dad did a long, long time ago, and I want to start doing it. And that's something me and my wife have been talking about. I actually have had a. Um, I forget the style hive, the old school French hive from the 1700s. Uh, like I've a got top one that, Which one? A top bar? Yeah, or... well, there's a French name or a, a, an old school name for it. But anyway, I've had two of them in my Amazon cart for about eight months now. I just haven't pulled the trigger on them yet. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but I, I did it for a few years. And watching bees build honeycomb is so much fun. And for you guys who who have kids out there doing it with your kids is pretty great. They sell little bee suits that will have them all protected and, um, really good thing to do with your kids, especially the har harvesting honey with children is, um, super, super fun. Yeah. So That's um, one of the first things my dad taught me is bees. <laughs> they're How did uh, we get talking about bees. <laughs> bees do not want to die. They're programmed to not want to die. So they're actually really non-aggressive little critters. So if you take care and you don't squish anybody and release the, oh shit, buddy just got quished pheromones, you can actually get away with some, with some minimal protection. Yep. If you know what you're doing... Yep. If 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 you don't, it's uh, it's a short. The bees. <laughs> yeah, they eventually gave me the message that I was an asshole, and so yeah, Marty's giving us the wrap it up symbol. So let, let's let's uh, move let's on. wrap up the bee talk here. Um, side folders, yes, we love side folders. Side folders, there you go. Side folders and bees. So, um, Charles, did you Yo. go through those questions? Uh, I have not. I, I, Charlie's I, having some technological I have technical issues. Like I went, so so I'm going to read. Just pick one. Pick one, Lefty. Jeff Horn. I'm going to pick one for Charlie. I'm going to pick Jeff oh, Hornsby. Sure. It says, "Is that Joe Mo, formerly of Red Jacket Firearms, Sons of Guns?" Question mark. Yes, Charlie. <laughs> yes. That would that that's that guy, right? Hey, look, it's Joe. It's that guy. It's that guy. He's so familiar. I had to read that one. It was funny. <laughs> All right, pick yours, Joe. For Charlie. Pick one. For Charlie? Brian. Oh, I got to pick one for Charlie? Yeah. yeah oh, oh I, was, I, I was thinking about doing a 22, and I, I bumped over to Instagram, but I hadn't found Talking Lead on Instagram yet. Well, it's just under Talking Lead. Well, I got to do a search. It takes me a little are while. Are you not Are you not liking my Talking Lead channel? I, am. I just had to like type in the name to go to it. We got a good one there. 
All right. Uh, how about this one from Peter Wiktorski here? Okay, read that one, Brian, while he's looking. <laughs> what type of optic do you prefer to run on your AK? Are there any LPVO, which is low power variable optic, with a BDC? That's a bullet drop compensation reticle that will work for the 76239, or should I just go with a simple dot? And uh, I would humbly submit that that's one of the cool things about the Mercan guard that we sell is that you can do both. We've got a, a really long chunk of pick that you can kind of do whatever you want with. And um, I have personally been shooting the primary arms uh, ACSS 1 to 6 power. Actually, that's what I zero, or not zero, but we accuracy check all of our guns before they go out the door. And uh, for those that don't order sights with us, um, I slap that that primary arms on there and uh, routinely get two bullets in one hole at 50 yards with it. It's really nice. It does have a BDC, um, which is, it, it calls out in meters where you need to aim, um, how much holdover you need when you start getting out at distance. They've got a couple uh, of uh, 762 scopes. They, you're correct. They have a first focal plane and a second focal plane in that one to six power. And, um, They've got a, I believe they have a fixed. lifetime warranty on them. I think they got a fixed three power too, don't they? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, in the one six, they got both. I know that much. And both of them have a BDC that works with either 76239 or 300 blackout. It's roughly the same ballistic curve. Mm -hmm. um, I really like it. If I had bad eyesight um, for longer distances, I would absolutely be using it. Um, you know, in a, in a tactical setup, when it comes to a straight running and gunning kind of thing, um, the, any of the good Aimpoint micro clones, um, I'm, I'm good to go with the, the Holosun I've had good luck with. I've heard of people having troubles lately with them, but at 200 bucks, it's hard to complain. Um, of course the aim points are a great value. It's the same thing as what Joe was saying. You can buy a, a uh, $600 or $800 aim point and with a 10-year warranty, or you can get a Holosun and at 200 bucks, and I think they have a good warranty on them too, but let's say the thing lasts two years, you're, you're paying the same dollar per year. Um, it's just, you know, what can you pay? Um, the, let's see, my typical feeling on, on running an LPVO is that if it's, if you're doing it for a tactical reason, and you don't have some funny eyesight problem. Um, to me, the AK is a zero to, you know, 100, 200 yard fighting gun at the most. And if I am ever in a real world firefight where there are people outside of 200 yards that are shooting at me, I really hope I have a guy with a bolt gun to my left and a belt fed to my right. And so I don't, even though we care a lot about the accuracy of our guns, I, I, they're not sniper rifles. That's not the job of 76239. Um, it's an intermediate cartridge for assaulters, and that's it. And so there's there's better options out at distance from a ballistic standpoint. Yep, definitely. But it makes a damn good hunting rifle. Yeah, I was going to mention the same exact optic. Uh, the 1 to 6 with the ACCS 300 blackout reticle is, is there. The problem is they're always, always, always out of stock. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
They are. Did you find my, one? Uh, a, go, go ahead, Charles. My AK is, I mean, optics are great and all, but my AK is not set up for that. My AK is a grab and run and keep it simple, stupid. I run irons on the one. On my primary AK, if I, if I had something else to, to use that I currently, I would worry about putting an optic on it. But you need to, if you have just one AK, I'm going to keep it simple. Heck yeah. Yep. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, Instagram, Joe, you, did you find one on Instagram? I got distracted. Let's see. <laughs> uh, complaining about the SKS. I see an M79. Hold uh, on. How can somebody complain about the SKS? They're complaining Charlie, about it? Char- let Charlie handle that. There's a co- Okay. Number. Start off. I worked at a crime lab for 21 years. I was handed a lot of SKSs with runaway issues. That's number one. Number two, they all come in with the with the detachable long nose magazine. And I had two customers within the last week come in with those things. And I'm like, take it off the gun and throw this as far away from this rifle as you can get it and put the box magazine back on. The guy's like, what? Like he would keep asking me questions. Do you stock these? And I'm like, no, throw it away. He's like, but I want another one. I'm like, <laughs> I, I didn't throw him out of the store, but I was like, don't put this back on your gun. So I had to explain to him how to use a stripper clip. Like we had some that were packed in cars when we went to the back, cleaned them up for the guy. It's like, here, you can load this faster than you'll ever be able to load this long nose thing. Throw it in the dumpster. Just That's just a... Then well, the, okay. the way we- choose and the people modify them. Leave them alone. Put them in the back of the closet. Shoot them. Don't touch them. Make sure the spring isn't gonna. The, there's a spring in the firing pin where it's not gonna lock it and gonna run make a runaway gun out of it. We totally agree on. Yeah, if you keep your SKS and SKS, they're great guns, right? And well, I'm curious about the runaway issues. How many of those do you think were intentional? <laughs> oh, I, actually, not many. Uh, if any of them were not intentional guns, like literally, it was the mal- it was the runaway malfunction Chinese guns. Never saw it on a Yugo. Never saw it on a Russian. The Chinese guns eventually do wear themselves into a runaway configuration. It's what happens. I've seen it over and over and over okay, again. Okay, that's good to know. I've, I mean, just I've seen it, and it I ha- it happens. I do not load an SKS unless I'm pointing at a target until I put a fixed pin in it. <laughs> that's the that's the one thing you have to know about an SKS. Yeah. Now, no matter I'm how well you clean the firing pin channel, even if you get all the Cosmoline out, there's still risk of that firing pin sticking forward. So we use ballistol on them, Joe. Ballistol. No, we don't use ballistol on anything. <laughs> I'm, like- convinced, I'm convinced that Dennis was trying to get me to fire that guy immediately, like instantly. Uh, with, There's yeah. a no ballistol rule in my shop. <laughs> the new guy, the second day I come in, he's basically on clean the gun duty. And mm-hmm. the second I walked in, I, I, the door was about six inches open, and the smell hit me of the ballistol. <laughs> and I just yelled out, like, in probably not quite so uh, family friendly language, who is using that damn ballistol? Get it out of my building immediately. <laughs> and I saw this kid's eyes kind of grow. And he's like, is that what this is? And I'm like, yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> we need to get you some seal one. Oh, so we got a, a good question from Tandem Dooley here. 
he says, okay, so if the AK historically is overgassed to increase reliability, what are the issues and parts that will be the biggest issue from the added back pressure of running them suppressed? We could combo that with uh, another question. I, I missed who it was from about asking if um, KNS uh, adjustable gas pistons are a good product if you're running suppressed. Yeah, I mean, the gas pistons really the, you just, the AK self-regulating, uh, even over-gassed, they really don't beat themselves up that bad. Um, they just dump more gas faster. Uh, I mean, you can build some bolt velocity and there's some banging around in there, but the KNS gas piston does help tremendously uh, if you are in one of those extreme areas. But those gases are still coming out of that gas port. Sinister Indeed. Fist asks, if you were only allowed one upgrade to an AKM, which would you choose to make it even more battle-ready? Who's answering that? Everybody. Bullets, mags, and a good pistol grip. <laughs> That's three. He said one. Pistol grip. Pistol grip. Brian? Dang. I would say a light. Those Just are... because, so you can use it at night. That's a general. That's a general rifle thing, anyway. Yeah. Sure. That that that's not exactly a fair way of me answering it. But if if we're not talking about a light and a sight or a light and a sling, um, then I then what Joe said, for sure. Just buy more ammo. Get training. Sling. I like the get first sling. question on Instagram. FPS Murdoch. Because I saw that one. I'm trying to answer it I was it saving myself. it for last, but go ahead. Oh, no. I really like the Chinese flatbacks. They're my favorite magazine well, read ever. the question. Read the question. FPS but, Murdoch. Okay, yep. All right, so this is. I think this is my favorite question here uh, because I don't know the answer to it, but it's a really good concept. So FPS Murdoch asks, why did China make their steel AK magazines flatbacks? While other countries went to the rib design, do you think this makes the Chinese steel mag superior? I, the Chinese flatbacks are absolutely more comfortable for me to run. They are easier to get in and out of chest rigs and pockets and things. Uh, now, they're also a little bit lighter. I really like the full stamp Chinese mags that don't have the reinforced lips because they run really well and they're super lightweight and they're still steel. Why they're flatbacks... I can only speculate that the Chinese developed this to, they had better equipment for it, or the Chinese guy's hands are smaller, or they wanted to save material. I don't know, but I do know I like the Chinese flatbacks, and if I had the choice to run any steel surplus mags, it would be the Chinese flatbacks with the stainless, or the uh, chrome line followers. It probably fit a pocket that was designed for something else better. I don't know, but That's I do like good, the Chinese flatbacks. They do, they are commanding quite a premium these days. Whew. I love Joe's comment on smaller hands there as a motivating factor. I have no I I'm just I have no idea what the actual reason is. Me but, but that that makes a ton of sense and I know a lot of folks who struggle with the size of the AK mag and particularly with admin reloads where you're grabbing two mags in one hand. That's tricky for a lot of people to pull off with with real control where they know it will work. And um, so 
So that makes good sense. But yeah, obviously spot welding those two halves of the magazine together, it's it's clearly easier to spot weld a rib than it is those flatbacks. And so Joe's comment on better equipment and tooling makes a lot of sense as well. I'll buy that. Uh, that's I a, like them. That's those a, of you that don't like your flatbacks, I will trade you out. Some magpoles for those them? ribs are sharp. And they're paying. I don't. I don't like the ribs. All right, that's a good question to end our uh, listener questions on. There, there's several more. Thank you to everyone who sent your your comments, your questions in on Facebook, uh, email, Instagram. Um, and because you did that, uh, as you consummate listeners know, that's how you get entered to win our giveaways: is participation. So for all those that participated today, I'm going to sign a number, and then we're going to do a, a drawing for the SEAL-1 package and the Mission First Tactical uh, AK Corner Dump Tray. So we've got Ed Burton is number one, Kenneth H. McGee is number two, Brad Reynolds is number three, Peter Wiktorski is number four, Ray O'Shields is number five, Sam Russell's number six. Jonathan Gallup is number seven. Jerry Black is number eight. Aura Abplanab, Abplanalp, uh is number nine. Jeff Hornsby's ten. Andy Burner is number eleven. Twelve is the Grunge Junkie. Thirteen is Sinister Fist. Fourteen is Casey Loftus. Fifteen is Tandem Dooley. Sixteen is J. Edgar Paradox. 17 is FPS Murdoch, 18 is Brett Bedal, 19 Stephen Morgan, and 20 is Morton L.B. Sorensen. Uh, and if you're not in the United States, then you're not eligible. So, uh, just, Sorry, Amanda. Just putting that in. And, and Amanda, you know, I'm sure we can hook her up with some, some stuff anyway. So she's probably not hurting for, for swag and stuff. Oh, she just was awarded some big uh, honorary award up there in Canada too. She is always getting awarded with stuff. She is just she is killing it these days. Yeah, she's doing really good. I have to get her on to talk about that. All right, who's got the random number genera- generator? I got it up. All right, so this one first one is going to be for the dump tray from Mission First Tactical AK Corner logo dump tray. You can see it back there in the background somewhere. Oh, I see it on my shelf. I see it? Yeah, yeah. I see, I see it. Brian, what do we got? Number three. Number three. Brad Reynolds. Look at the big brain on Brad. So, Brad, shoot me an email talking at gmail.com with your shipping address, contact info. We'll get that to you. And the next prize is coming from our sponsors over at Seal One. And lucky enough for our guest today, you're all going to be getting some Seal One also. So, Charles, Joe, Brian, you're all going to get a package from Seal One uh, as well. Can't wait to try it. That'll be awesome. So you're so you're all winners. So Seal One is a clean lube protect all in one. It's green engineered, USDA certified, bio based uh, products. 
So one product will clean, lube, and protect instead of having to, to use all different little formulas and products. And it comes in several different delivery systems. So it's, there's an aerosol, there's a paste, there's little cleaning pads that it comes in, uh, several different uh, delivery method, uh, methods for your, your Seal One product there. Made in the USA. They do it there in Maine. It's using all green engineered products. And yeah, there you go. So who's our winner for our Seal One package? Sixteen. Sixteen. J. Edgar Paradox. There you go. There's our two winners. Shoot me an email, talking at gmail.com, and uh, we'll hook you up with those prizes, leadheads. But every episode, we're giving away something. You never know what it's going to be. Could be a gun. Could be ammo. Could be who knows what. You just never know. Got to listen. Got to participate. And that's how you win. But again, thanks to everybody who participated with that. If you've got suggestions for the show, guests, topics, something you'd like us to talk about, shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com. Put AK Corner suggestions in the topic so I'll know how to easily categorize that and, and find it later on. Uh, and then, of course, our regular show, make sure you listen to that. If you've got jack wagons, you've got uh, heroes that you want to nominate, uh, we've got uh, Jack Carr, Brian, scheduled for April. No kidding. Jack Carr's awesome. coming back, his second appearance. He's got uh, a new book coming out in that series with his, what's the James Reese. Reese. James Reese. James Reese. Yeah, The Devil's Hand, I believe, is the name of it. I've had it on pre-order for a while. I'm jonesing. I'm going to have a, it before you because they're sending me a <laughs> free copy. Dirty bastard. A pre-release copy. So I get to read that before he gets... Uh, Gets to be on the he's show. A left he's a left hand of the devil. He gets it first. Right. <laughs> Charlie's got Charlie's got a good pre-release book coming too. Oh yeah. Well, I've got I've got the electronic copy. Did you get one? I didn't get the electronic copy yet. Okay. Well, we're getting the autograph copy sent to the shop. All right. Is this an inside joke? <laughs> Kinda. You gonna let yeah. everybody in on this? We've got a, we've got some good friends. In an alternative industry, one of them wrote his memoirs about what he did in a very adult industry. Is this the uh, ammo company guy that you stole the ammo? Company? No, you got give him the title. Just give him the title, and it'll make all sense. Um, memoirs of a B-list porn star. <laughs> well, you got That's not the whole title. The title is Dick Chibbles. Dick Chibble. <laughs> Memoirs of a B-list porn star. <laughs> okay. Maybe this I should have him amazing. on the show. I get him he, on the regular show. For it. I get he's him not, on the regular he, show. Hell yeah. He's very interesting. He's one of the nicest guys you've ever met. Super cool dude, man. Likes AKs. If you want him on the show, I'll, 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 send, I'll send him an email and, uh, and send your contact over and see if he wants to do it. He's, uh, he's, it'd be an interesting show for sure. He's a interesting cat, man. All right, well, one of y'all got a co-host with me, though. Uh, I'll, I'll, we can't uh, meet you again. We've been friends with the guy for a while. What, what do you, what, you and that gun? I picked it up today. <laughs> what do you, what are you looking at? I didn't even see it. Hold on. Oh, is that a, what is that? It's a Remington model number four. 
Wow. All right, so Remington cool, made the number one of the forty-five seventy single-shot rifle. Remington made the model number two, the single-shot 12-gauge shotgun. Remington made the model number three. It's a typewriter. A typewriter? <laughs> and then this is the Remington model number four, a single-shot twenty-two. <laughs> from a typewriter to a twenty-two. That's well, they went from a... They went from a buffalo gun to a shotgun to a typewriter to this. Oh, anyway, I picked up. So this is my ranch gun. Nice. I carry around when we go for the walks, and I got tired of carrying it around, and then still have to pick stuff up and hold the leash. So I wanted to get, get a sling on it, but I didn't want to modify it. So I had a local leather guy do this. Oh, that's Beautiful nice. Work. It yeah, looks it good. Really good job. But the actual reason I had this up is because it was in the way to take this down. Joe showing off his toys. Well, hey, Brian, can the uh, Mercury outfit this? And should I put it on it? No. Fuck. <laughs> you're fucked. What, what, tell them what you're holding up, RPK. It's an RPK, an original RPK kit with an original uncut barrel. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's a gorgeous gun. Joe's just fucking with me. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's send, pic- send pictures of that, too, so I can post that with the show notes. I think we built that. I think Joe and I built that gun. I think we built this probably 15 years ago. Yeah. That's beautiful. Man. I really? reacquired this at a gun show about two years ago. Oh, really? No kidding. This is when NDS was doing mat- allowing you to do matching serial numbers to the Trunnion. Oh, man. Yeah, so I saw that, and I'm like, I had to have it. That's a great recapture, yeah, no doubt. I don't have access to the old book, so I can't confirm 100%, but it has every it has everything, all the little cues and indicators that it's one of our guns. Nice. A, craftsman always, a craftsman always recognizes his own work. Well, I, I think there's a lot of... There might be some Wallace, or there might be some Winford in that gun. Yeah. Very possible. Well, congratulations to our winners, and uh, again, go and show love to all our sponsors, Mission First Tactical. Uh, be sure to use that code at Mission First Tactical, which is Leadhead, and you're going to get 20% off when you use that discount code there. Um, Seal One, big thanks to Seal One. They got the new Leadhead code set up there. You're going to get 25% off at Seal One. Go to their website. Uh, Factory 47, you get our AK Corner swag, our hoodies, our T-shirts, our, our tumblers. Uh, they had a code set up there for 10% off. Uh, it's Leadhead, 10% off at Factory 47. Use code Leadhead. Uh, IWIUS, go show them some love on their social medias. Follow them. Uh, gonna, you guys know the Uzi guy, right? So we're going we're gonna to get the Uzi guy, and we're going to talk about that one uh, at AK Corner. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then Occam Defense Solutions. Go uh, get in line. Well, you don't, you're not doing lines anymore. It's just first come, first serve, right, on the uh, 1775s? Yeah, we'd, we've never shut down custom orders. So if they start at 2500 if you absolutely got to have one. Otherwise, yep, we're posting on Instagram when we've got some availability. But you're always welcome to email us at the website. Or at the email address on our website, and uh, we can we've we've started doing a bit of a 
a wait list kind of thing via email. Um, so, okay. so that is another way to go. But yeah, pretty much they get sold really darn quick right now. So I apologize for not being able to make more of them. We're trying hard to fix that. And then, uh, Joe Good and Charlie, problems, nonetheless. Joe and Charlie, talk about uh, Atlas Defense, all your uh, websites and social medias and all that where people get in touch with you and your, your latest and where they can get it. Well, check out atlasdefense.com. Uh, the website there has links to all of our social media on Instagram, several different Facebooks, uh, and Twitter. Uh, check out our Future Proof line of suppressors, uh, some of the quietest, lightest, easy to use and maintain suppressors that have ever been available to the industry. And if you're in South Louisiana, swing by Mo Guns. That's our gun shop, uh, their storefront. Come by and see me and Joe. We're there uh, most days. We have a full selection of firearms and ammunition, and we'll be happy to uh, have BSB your new gun store. And again, make sure you go and um, show Zach some some love and support uh, on the PayPal account, which I'll put a link to in our uh, show notes for the show here. Uh, and then the pay the uh, GoFundMe is if you go to the GoFundMe website and you look up um, Zach Hall Stage Four Cancer. Is that what it is? Stage four colon cancer. Stage four colon cancer. Uh, you'll find his link there. Um, his wife Stephanie set that up. Uh, so you'll see Stephanie's name there, and you'll know you're at the right place. Um, yeah. Uh, def- all you got to do is just Google GoFundMe Zach Hall, and it's it's the first three, the first three hits. Okay. Uh, and the PayPal. All right. So for the GoFundMe, just Google GoFundMe Zach Hall, and it'll bring you right to there. It's the first top three links. So that- All right, so Zach can also be helped out by going uh, and sending funds to the PayPal. Uh, the PayPal and Venmo is sxb1623 at gmail.com. Sierra X-Ray Bravo1623 at gmail.com. Very good. Show him uh, the Leadhead Brigade is behind him. And, uh, you know, we need to keep Zach around, definitely. He's one of the most innovative in the industry we love you zach leadheads yep. until the next episode of the ak corner get out there and train 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 and uh, come join us in nashville if you get an opportunity go to 212traininggroup.com and sign up outtakes 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 somebody behind you there uh, that's, that's my wife. She's, okay. she's for me over extension cord because this thing's trying to die. Oh, I got you. So make sure you, they didn't, weren't beckoning you. Yeah. No. Beckoning. Beckoning. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Very good. So I'm getting an echo from somebody. Somebody's too loud. Check, check. Hello. I'll, I'll mute here for a second. Okay. Check, check, one, two, one, two, check. Lefty, lefty, check. Yeah, that was it. Ryan, you're the culprit. Let me see if I can turn my game down here. Charlie, check, unmute. check. <clears throat> How's that, Marty? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you good. Great. I'm not hearing the feedback now. You've Great. permanently muted Charlie. Uh, he can <laughs> unmute himself. Unmute yourself. Just hit unmute.
Charlie. He can still hear us, though. I just yeah. muted him. Unless all the stuff he was doing jacked up his sky. There, I'm back. Okay, there we go. Yay. Yay. Okay, I, I, thought, I thought Marty had to unmute me. My apologies. I, this thing was trying to die. I had to plug it in. No, that's fine. I just You were making a lot of noise, so I muted you. Sorry, Brian. I didn't mean to cut into your story. Nah, you're good. He just, I think he just finished it, huh? I think he said, fuck Brian and his story. <laughs> I got other <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> I'm not coming to Ecclesdorf this weekend to shoot AKs. I'm not doing it. I'm staying inside. Uh, but I'm going to take a pee break. If y'all need to take a pee break, do that. Yeah, We're going to come back, good. field those questions, uh, do the giveaway, and then we'll do the wrap-up. Right. I really enjoyed that picture. No, I did too. I thought it was awesome, but I've had uh, some comments on it. So, <laughs> Well, look at the one I did on Instagram too. How is it racist the dude introduces himself as Asian Will? Well, he's a Chinese guy playing a Vietnamese guy. But he, he's going to let me throw him out of a helicopter. <clears throat> oh, I like Brad Reynolds' question. Where did everybody go? They went to pee. Oh. No, I, didn't, I didn't think it was racist at all. I thought it was racially accurate. The dude introduces himself as Asian Will. That's what well, he calls. Granted, him. that's so he's not confused with the other Will when we say, "Hey, Will's back there." Oh, <laughs> well, that's fine and well and good, but that's how he introduced himself the first time I met him. <clears throat> uh, people are just—I think it's just a bunch of trolls. Anyway, I did notice that I lost <laughs> about two hundred followers after I posted that. But <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> oh well. That's not the kind of followers I want.